Hello, bonjour, and salam alaikum. Welcome to the Standout Podcast, the first live podcast about no BS leadership. So if you like us, tell your friends and your colleagues to go over on Apple Podcast and Spotify and to give us a five-star review because, listen, the stories we share on the podcast are worth it. Don't you think so? I hope so. <laughs> so now let me ask you a question. Are you a remote leader? The past few years have been a crazy roller coaster. And as we all work either remotely or, you know, on a hybrid model, leadership has changed drastically. And leading a team remotely, of course, requires a unique set of skills and approaches. So today, our standout guest, Evelyn Axelrod, is a VP a leadership consultant with a driving purpose to ensure that the future of work is inclusive. And during our conversation, she will uncover the key strategies and skills required to navigate this new frontier of remote leadership so you can effectively lead from a distance. So please help me welcome Evelyn. Hello, everyone. Great to be here. Thank you so much for having me on, Doreen. I'm excited to share today with you. As I was telling you just before going live, I feel like a lot of people talk about leadership and, you know, the change in leadership, but very few from the angle of what it takes to be or become a greater remote leader. And we're going to talk all about it. But first, let's talk about you. What is it that you do and why is it important? There's so many things that I, I enjoy doing. Uh, right now, I am the VP of a nonprofit employment service. And what we do is we create pathways into employment, especially for people who are struggling to find work or have been typically distant from the labor market. So creating workforce development solutions that are inclusive and bringing that to employers to sort of diversify workplaces and, and ensure that employers are creating welcoming environments. And this is so much important, especially when we know the heat that the pandemic had on, on, on so much people who lost their jobs, right? And, and following, now we are going through uh, uh, the inflation and all of this. So a lot of people are impacted. Sometimes for many of them, once you are hit by something that is outside of your control, it's very hard to get back on track, right? That's yeah. right. I mean, we, we've struggled for a number of years, but, you know, we're seeing people sort of reinvigorated and, and becoming much more resilient because we've gone through a lot and we've come out on the other side. We've learned a lot of lessons about balance, about what's important um, and, and what is what is fair for communities that we live in. And so I think the last couple of years have taught us some important lessons um, and we can just grow stronger from it. So let's take a look at your early influences. Can you share a story from your childhood that had a significant impact on your decision to becoming a leader? You know, one of, uh, I think for many um, people, children growing up, one of their early uh, influences would be teachers, their teachers. Um, and being surrounded by a lot of female teachers, I really looked up to them and I thought, you know, I would really want to be somebody who can help 
people, teach people, lead people. And I think that was one of the early influences for me. I always wanted to be a teacher somehow, but those were the, the folks that influenced me early on. Um, let's talk about, you know, who inspired you while growing up? Did you have any role model within your family, outside of your family? Yeah, I mean, my family, I'm from the Caribbean, and my family, they have very traditional uh, gender roles. Um, but when my mother, she, she was growing up six children, and wow. really busy mom, um, but when she immigrated to Canada, she really sort of stepped into uh, a career that I had never seen that in my family. She started working for the court system and you know, really went back to school and, and took her career seriously. And that became sort of an example for my sister and I to follow. And she always said to us, complete your education because when you have your education, no one can take that away from you. And that was a, you know, a guiding principle for us. We never really got serious in relationships and things until we finished our education because we knew that that was a, that was a milestone in our life before we could take on other um, bigger milestones. That's powerful. And you said within your family, there was those gender typical roles, right? So how or why did your mom decided to to make things differently for herself and then for her daughters? Yeah, I, I really, I think um, first, it's probably out of necessity. But second, it's because, you know, it's it's you have something to contribute. And I think when you are not fulfilling your potential, there's a, a burning inside of you that, you know, you urge to do something more, you, you know, and really become who you are. Uh, who you truly are. And I think that that was a driving force for her. Her children were grown at that time. And so, you know, it was time for her to step into who she really is. And luckily, we were able to see that and see her blossom. And, and now she's retired and at home. And I, I spent a week with her recently. And, and we talked about She's in church. My mother is, uh, she goes to church and, and she is always teaching. She's always teaching. And I said to her, Mom, maybe we can create a, a website for you or something where you can teach her stories about family and, and your beliefs because she still has another chapter that she wants to pursue. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think it's really important when people are not, not stepping into who they are. Like they really need to honor themselves by thinking about why am I here? What is important to me? What what does what's burning inside of me? Because I really need to become aligned with who I am for me to feel good about myself. And how how old is your mom? Oh, my mom is about 76 now. And now she feels like she she can't write a new chapter to her yeah. life. How powerful is that? <laughs> Absolutely. Right? It's never too late. I love that, you know, because it's probably very similar in the Caribbean. I was born and raised in, raised in France, and I can find some similarities in North America where for a woman, you know, you have to have achieved a certain milestones by a certain age. Otherwise, you are considered as too late. Mm. But it, it is never too late. And to see that your mom, you know, whenever she, she wanted and whenever she wants, 
she decided to create a new chapter for herself and her family. This is powerful and this is beautiful. We need more examples like this. I think this is very important. It will take a lot of pressure out of our shoulder. Don't you think so? Yeah, absolutely. I think the freedom of not caring so much about what people think and just be guided by what's important to you is really powerful. And, and that should be the only thing we care about. A big yes to that. A question I, last, I like to ask all my guests is uh, if I were to talk your loved ones, three words to define yourself, what those three words would be? Uh, three words? Um, I think my family sees me as the, the caring, loving person. And so um, when some something's wrong or somebody needs a little support, they turn to me. Um, and and I, I am happy to play that role and take care of others. Um, but I also think they see me as somebody who is um, dedicated and, and and pushes through obstacles um, and somebody who is just obsessed with learning um, and you know I say to them you know I'm looking forward to when I get to 65 because I heard you can go to school for free when you get to 65 and oh, you know I'm looking, I'm, looking, <laughs> I'm looking forward to doing a PhD at that time I mean I'm really always learning and I, I quite enjoy it do you think that this constant need for learning has contributed in a significant way to climbing the ladder and becoming a VP? Yes, in, in a formal and an informal way. And I think we could focus on the informal uh, because I think that's much more powerful. When you have a sense of curiosity, uh, it's really important to be curious about what you're doing, about your field, about what's happening in parallel fields that could inform what you're doing. And I think when you're curious about something, it, it's never hard because you're trying to learn, you're trying to figure it out. And just by extension, you know, people see that, they they look to you to say, you know, you've solved this sort of problem because you were committed to figuring it out. Can you help me with something else? And I think naturally um, there's growth, a growth path in that. So talking about growth, as you progressed in your career, what are some of the, the biggest challenges that you faced? Um, I mean, look, I, as a, a woman of color, um, it just comes with the territory. Um, and, and my name, Evelyn, is a, a very, I, I don't know if it's an English name. I think that's most commonly um, what is associated with, and of course, in Trinidad, where I was born, it, it was a colonized uh, country. So when I, when people speak to me on the phone, for example, and then they see me in person, I, I've had people say, you're Evelyn? Like they're really surprised mm -hmm. that I, that with my name and, and what I look like. Um, you know, um, people have underestimated me. I've had people say, um, you know, you're really smart, but no one knows that until you say something. And, you know, they think it's a compliment, but um, those are things that, you know, you hear. And, you know, unfortunately, um, these are still realities for many people. And you grow a thick skin. Uh, it is exhausting um, and it is, does get under your skin. But what I've come to realize is I only have control over my response to things. 
And if, you know, and if I respond in, um, in a way that makes me feel good and makes me move forward, then that's the only thing that I, you know, can do. And that's mm-hmm. what I've chosen to do. Um, you know, I, I do work within systems and I do sort of challenge um, that kind of bias. Uh, but so that's my role within the organization that I work with and in a, any place that I work with, I really champion equality and fairness. Um, so other people don't have to experience what I have, but for myself, I've come to terms with making control of what I can control. And that is my response. And, you know, um, it was Barack Obama and Michelle who say, when they go low, you go high. And that's kind of what I I do because there's nothing else you can do if you want to keep moving forward. So what would you advise, you know, other women and and and, and young girls who aspire uh, to become leaders, but who face those those challenges? Because as you said, it gets under your skin and 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 you know, I do believe it kind of nourish self-doubt and you know, it pushes you to question yourself. And unfortunately, the first reflex that we have most of the time for most of us is not to question the situation itself, but is to question and doubt ourselves, right? So what would be the advice that you would give to to these women who are listening to us and who would like to step into leadership roles where where self-doubt keeps kicking in because of the environment that might not be that supportive of their uh, ambitions? Yeah, you know, Doreen, I, I have to say, I don't think any of us have it figured out, you know, and I think we oh, even now experience self-doubt for, for myself. Um, when I was consulting, I remember trying to build that business and feeling like a concrete brick in my head because no thoughts would go through because I was doubting myself so much. And, you know, so so you're always sort of um, struggling, internal struggling. And there are times of resilience and times where you you really feel down and you have to listen to yourself, listen to, to your body. And self-care is important, taking time away from situations that are causing you stress and anxiety and really recognize the accomplishments you've had so far, the obstacles you've overcome already and know that you are okay you have overcome and you will continue to do that um, and just taking that time and, and really focusing on how far you've come because that wasn't easy and you've accomplished it and, and you have that resilience to keep moving forward but take I'm not saying just keep pushing yourself I'm saying take time for yourself care for yourself so you have the strength to keep moving forward and focus on your game because what other people think of you is really none of your business. Like, you, <laughs> you know, you focus on what you think of you. If you know you've put your best foot forward, if you know you're working from a place of integrity, that's the thing that matters and you can mm-hmm. hold your head up high. Um, so I, I sort of measure my own progress by my own, you know, sort of ladder and my own, um, measuring stick not anyone else's this is actually a great strategy i want to say right to center what matters on yourself as opposed to give it to give your power away to people and then you know uh, measure your progress and and your worth actually based on what people think of you 
instead of what you feel and think of you, what you feel about you and what you think of you. So that's that's a very powerful strategy. Now, when it comes to the word of leadership, uh, here on this podcast, we talk, I like to say we talk about everything, the good, the bad, the ugly, and everything in between. <laughs> so how does the role in your experience, how does the role of a remote leader in nowadays uh, word of work, uh, differ from that of a traditional leader? Mm -hmm. If there is any difference. Oh, I, I think there are many, many differences. And I think it's um, it really does challenge one's leadership because in person with human connection, um, it, it's you're, you're in the present, you're physically there together, people read your body language, they feel your energy, they know that you are concerned, you care, you're there for them. It's difficult to communicate that virtually. Uh, and so I think you really need to be able to articulate that, spend time. Um, remote doesn't mean disconnected, it means more connection, more communication is required. Um, so I think that there can be a challenge, but when you know that you're there for your people, you humanize the experience. Um, and I think that's really important in remote leadership, that people know they can connect with you when they need to mm -hmm. and can reach out when they need to. Um, but there's also that side where it's causing a lot of burnout. So you also have to care for people, not just by telling them so, but by ensuring you give them structure, you give them balance, so you're protecting them from burnout and just being on call all of the time. Um, so I think remote leadership does cause you to put your thinking and your philosophies into actual practice and policies about how you support a team remotely. Mm -hmm. um, studies have shown that while diversity brings a huge potential and French per fresh perspectives. It also presents unique challenges regarding teamwork and collaboration. And especially, you know, if the people who join a team have never met their colleague in person, right? And they only feel like they are very different from each other. Uh, like it, it looks like it is harder to feel included and, and, and cared for. So in that, given context, keeping the motivation for the big goal, you know, to reach the big goal all together and working more productively is, is more complicated. So how can remote leaders foster a sense of belonging among their teammates, uh, even in the absence of physical proximity? Yeah. You know, I am often um, surprised by how many leaders nowadays talk about you know this remote thing is not working people need to come back into the office for them to work well together and for us to connect and and i'm always reminded of how it companies have been doing this for ages you know and global companies have been working for ages you know and it is about intentional frequent connection um and and so but but you can have water cooler moments in, in Zoom, right? You can have those kinds of socials and getting people to get to know the commonalities between themselves and each other, I think is really important because that's where people, you start re reducing the differences between people, 
right? So you mm -hmm. and I are really interested in, in women's issues, for example. That brings us closer. But we wouldn't know that if we didn't have a discussion outside of a work-specific topic. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I think it's really important to have social time because it's not, and, and people think it's wasted time, but it's critical time because that's where you create the foundation of a team for them to be able to perform better later on. So I, I really think that sort of, um, you know, social get together and, and get to know yous and icebreakers and all of those things when you're engaging people is really important because, um, yeah, people get to get to know each other and they remove the barriers naturally. Um, and what personal qualities do you believe um, are the most important to be um, a great uh, remote leader? Hmm. I think truly caring for your people. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, you know, it can't just be a job. It has to be that you want to make sure that they're okay, that they are equipped to do their work, that you have communicated clearly what the requirements are, the expectations are. I think a, a people, like a people person is a good leader. You cannot manage by Excel and processes. That's not going to work in a remote space. That's a checkbox, but you're not going to get the best out of folks. And you don't need to be inspiring all the time. You just need to be connecting. Uh, and people will, will know that they, like I said, reach out when they need support. Sometimes um, we've heard that Employers are saying, you know, uh, people aren't as productive at home. Well, did you take the time to sort of brainstorm with them and help them create a momentum around the project? Like, if you didn't do that, then they're kind of stuck and it's your job to get them started. You would have had a kickoff meeting if you were in the office. Why aren't you doing that remotely? Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I think, um, like I said, like, your intentions might be good, but you need to now put that into practice and policies or else your team's not going to be able to move forward. And I believe it does require a lot of uh, emotional intelligence, right? Mm -hmm. Because the question is, how do you figure out how to read the mood of the people on your team without even working near them? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really, that's such an important point. And, you know, there are these, of course, you have to have one-on-ones with your teams, right? Um, you have to spend that one-on-one -on -one time with people. But I think it's really important to try to read their body language. Who's not providing input? Who's not sharing ideas? Who's not communicating on, on Slack or Teams? Because then you see those are signs of disconnection. Those are signs of people not feeling that they're part of something. Um, and so it's not just reading the body language or what people say, um, because, you know, you write an email and you could totally misinterpret that email, mm -hmm. right? Um, just because the tone is not there. So, you know, you can look for other uh, symptoms, if you will, but other ways of people connecting. And if they're connecting often um, and they're connecting well, you know, you could feel safe, but always checking in with people and asking them, how are you doing, right? Not just how are you doing at work, but how are you doing personally? And also how you, how, 
how do you see success happening? What's the progress looking like for you? And getting people's input. There are introverts and extroverts, and we've got to, we've always managed them differently. We've always led them differently. We need to do that here as well. And if there was one thing that you have shared a lot of valuable uh, uh, lessons and, and, and strategy during the spam of 30 minutes, which is great. Thank you for that. But, you know, for some people that might be or that might feel they may feel overwhelmed. Right. So if there was one thing that you would advise uh, remote leaders uh, to implement today or at least as possible, what would that be? Yeah, there are many, <laughs> there are many, but certainly um, there's a risk I haven't mentioned around remote work, which is creating silos, mm -hmm. right? And because, you know, the water cooler moments tend to break down those silos, but ensure that you have cross-functional meetings from different departments so people know what's happening. You may not be able to um, cover all of that in a town hall. So make sure there's um, an understanding of what's happening in the organization because you'll end up with folks trying to solve the same problem in different departments uh, and struggling when you could actually bring them together and they'll solve the problem for the entire organization. So I think cross-functional uh, team meetings are really, really important. And I'm going to cheat here, Doreen, one more thing. Your point, your point about emotional intelligence is really critical. People are burning out because remote leaders are not connecting with them and really finding out how they're doing. And I think that it we have to stop looking at it as um, you know, a, a time taking up time. It's critical in order to equip people to perform better and to perform well and to feel connected. So I think that is a, a critical piece for uh, remote leaders. Yes, it is indeed. And you know, there is this eternal debate of leaders born or made. Uh, mm -hmm. This is not the, the, the debate we're going, we are going to have today, but what I do believe, I do believe if leaders are, are made and you know, some of them are born with certain uh, capacities you know but you know now that we are transitioning into a new world of work no matter the natural leader from within you had to learn and you have to still learn to adjust yourself in order to become a great remote leaders because the skills that it requires are different right uh the, the dynamic also that you need to create uh, is different because as you said when you are in person, you know, people can feel your aura, they can feel your vibe, and they can feel your energy. Uh, we can do it somehow online, but of course, it does not have the same impact and it is not the same. And, mm -hmm. and I can talk about it, uh, you know, going from being a, a, a keynote speaker where I would share that energy, that vibes with the audience, having these two ways communication and trying to replicate this online is completely different. And of course it is very, very hard. So no matter what your situation is, you know, you can learn to get better as a leader. And I feel like the, the word of work, the way it is now and the future of work, the way it is expected to to be 
offer that windows of that window of opportunities for all of us to to maybe work on a on a, on the same level and make an impact with who we are and what we have that's so rightly said i i i know that i have learned so much i was i was an introvert i was very quiet um and if you speak to my my leaders and, and my seniors they will tell you how how much i have changed um but this remote work world and the future of work is about creating a better place for all of us mm -hmm. really and that requires you to actually care actually care about our future and care about each other and if you take that perspective you're just you're naturally going to become a better people person and therefore a better leader love it thank you so much evelyn for your time and for the great conversation so you take care you stay safe Evelyn, thank you so much. Thank you. And bye bye.